everyone. Welcome back to the Earth Dawn Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and the questers, Josh and Dan. I am Dan. I am Josh. And on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things stalkical, because we're going to talk about the path of the horror stalker. My words are getting worse, man. I'm sorry. Wow. It's just been one of those weeks. Stalkical. <laughs> Horrifical? I don't know. Anyway. That, um, that's, that's better. Horrifical? We'll go with horrifical. Why not? We can do that. Um, if you have any questions for us about anything we are going to talk about or have talked about or will talk about tonight, feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. I think this is the episode a lot of people have been waiting for that haven't actually yeah. said they're waiting for it because this is one of those, this path is so Earth Dawn specific and... I've had many a player make a specific horror stalker in previous editions that I think this one actually might be the perfect. Um, it's not the antithesis I'm looking for. That's not, that's not the word. Uh, the perfect melding synthesis. of these synthesis. Thank you. The perfect synthesis of what the horror stalker should be, what the path should be and what the discipline used to be all rolled into one beautiful path. So what is the development from first edition to now? Can you run us through that real quick? Yeah, first edition introduced the horror stalker in the horrors source book. This was a discipline that only had 10 circles. In first edition, not every discipline went to 15. Some quote-unquote lesser disciplines, some of the racials, for example. In fact, I think all of the racials maybe only went up to 8 or 10. The idea being that they were not as followed, their magic was not as developed enough as the core disciplines to reach the the pinnacles of ability that warriors and archers and so forth could achieve. Yeah. The idea behind the horror stalker was this is a discipline that is dedicated to hunting and fighting and slaying the horrors. And it got a couple of neat tricks which yeah. we'll talk about because those carried over here into the path version of it. Mm-hmm. And it was always kind of a popular discipline in a sense, especially if you've got a horror focused game yeah. in Earth Dawn, because while the core disciplines, the core 15, all in their own way, draw off of a wide variety of mythological and legendary and literary archetypes. Mm hmm. The horror stalker is uniquely earthed on. Totally. The closest things that are sort of equivalent to it, if you look at Warhammer Fantasy, for example, you've mm-hmm. got the Troll Slayer and Demon Slayer classes or professions or whatever they're called in that game. Yeah. That are character archetypes that are devoted to going after and fighting big, nasty enemies. You kind of in in some other fantasy games you might have demon hunters or or something along those lines but nothing that really jumps out at me as something that really takes aspects of the setting so well and builds an archetype around them the way that the horror stalker did now there was kind of a problem with the horror stalker in one sense mm-hmm And that is that horrors, generally speaking, are powerful, nasty, dangerous opponents. And sneaky. 
And the more powerful and dangerous they are, often the sneakier they are. <laughs> I mean, you've still got some some super powerful ones like Ubir, who is basically like a kaiju snake lizard that lives in the Serpent River. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just a big, nasty, physical, like there's some magical powers that it has, but it, like its threat is largely of a physical nature as opposed yeah. to a moral or or mental situation. Mm-hmm. But the horror stalker doesn't have or it didn't have it didn't make a lot of sense in one way for a discipline to actually be able to advance much if their whole thing is going to be going after horrors they are fairly likely to get into a situation where they might bite off more than they can chew what no. leading to a short lifespan short career and potentially lack of experienced mentors to learn from the horror stalker worked really well as a second discipline for people to pick up like they Mm -hmm. would have a like one of the core 15 as their primary and would pick up horror stalker as a secondary because their primary would provide them with the the more baseline survivability and then that would mm-hmm. get augmented with the tricks of the horror stalker of the horror stalker, the special abilities that they get. Yeah. Which is in a sense kind of what paths are is yeah. that it's something that you take on as a secondary to your primary discipline. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, the situation. And the horror stalker is one of those. I never had one in any of my games. So I am largely going from anecdata. Uh, just mm-hmm. having people having talked about them uh, over the years, uh, very popular, very flavorful, <laughs> very cool, but mm-hmm. standing on its own as your only discipline is yeah. not great. It also kind of suffers from the situ- the same kind of situation that you would have with a light ba- – uh, not a light bear. The same kind of situation that you would have with a liberator. Yes. Uh, especially from first edition where – by following that discipline, you are largely making a statement about what kind of game you want to play. Yes. With a Liberator, you're going to have a game that is going to be revolving significantly in some sense around and be a game about slavery. Yes. Over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. With a Horror Stalker, you are going to have a game that is largely going to be about and revolving around horrors, which Mm -hmm. is fine, because that is a large aspect of Earth Dawn. Yeah. But it does potentially cause, raise into question character motivations and how if you as a game master have adventure hooks or, or story ideas in mind that don't revolve around horrors, you know, especially if you're going to be dealing with stuff that's revolving around, say, the, the, the ongoing storyline of Bar Save. You know, mm-hmm. with the, with Thrall versus Thera and Iopos and the Dinerastis, there aren't a lot of horrors that are really involved in that story. <laughs> and so, so it can might and can make motivating a horror stalker to get involved a little bit weird. So that's kind of all of the background there. Yeah. And that situation with the horror stalker discipline from first edition and, and later editions working really, really well as a second discipline mm-hmm. plays really well into the idea of a path, which you know, which we've discussed. But it it does a couple of things by the basic requirements in order to join a path in the first place mean that your character is going to have a certain 
expected baseline competency yeah. in their primary abilities, whatever they might be. And then the mm -hmm. horror stalker supplements those with their own cool tricks and abilities. Yes. Because they won't even look at you. Because they won't even look at you to hit fifth circle in the first place. Right. One of the other things that the path does and the essay that we had written for the path mm -hmm. is providing a little bit more of a story framework and background and motivation for why somebody would follow this suicide <laughs> this suicidal mission <laughs> ultimately yes. that somebody who is you know who is dedicating themselves to tracking down and hunting the horrors and the way that the horror stalker does that in comparison to other heroes and adepts that might hunt and kill horrors mm -hmm. is a very fatalistic approach a very kind of dark and personal approach yeah. that really gets to be explored and explained and how it's different from, say, what the purifiers might be doing, who have mm -hmm. their own motivations, perhaps, for fighting the horrors as part of their goal to cleanse the land. But, yes. th but that, like, fighting the horrors for the purifier is in service of this other goal. For the horror stalker, fighting the horrors is the goal. Yeah, it's it's eradicated the infestation. Yeah. And a big part of the motivation for that for a lot of horror stalkers is simply, I have suffered badly at the hands of horrors. I am going to dedicate myself to fighting them so that nobody else needs to face what I mm -hmm. have faced. There's yes. a very dark night kind of avenging, I don't want to say fantasy Batman, but fantasy Batman. It's fantasy Batman. Yeah. Kind of motivations there. And that in some cases, the horror stalkers will even, you know, will use the tools of the horrors against them mm -hmm. in order to fight and defeat them. And maybe, yes. you know, novice and, and less experienced horror stalkers won't be taking on the big guns right away. Just yet, no. But there are plenty of journeyman tier horror threats that could be that. So going back to paths as a statement about what sort of game your player characters are interested in. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody that is going to, is expressing interest in or wants to play a horror stalker, one, yeah. you need to lay the groundwork or have their backstory include the groundwork for why they are taking this avenging angel route, yes. this suicidal <laughs> avenging angel route. this sh this is this is more of the r-o-l-e playing than the dice r-o-l-l right rolling so this is where you need to work in a whole lot of story and a whole lot of the character aspect of the role r-o-l-e that they want to play and present to the group and or the, uh, the the larger world around them and I came across a line not in the essay. I want to make that clear. I came across this in another book I was reading, and it's one guy who's very deadly serious about something telling somebody else, yeah, you're the dreamer, and you get to be the dreamer because people like me make the hard calls and have to live with the consequences. And that, I think, is the perfect statement that a horror stalker would make. Yeah. There's an obsession. There's a darkness to the horror stalker like that attitude of hard men making hard choices yes there there is a a lot of aspect of that and 
for the most part, horror stalkers don't become horror stalkers without having been touched or tainted in some way by the machinations of the the horrors. Either whether directly or indirectly. Correct. Yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. It's, it's their friends, their family, their history, themselves. Something about their life or their their interactions with the people around them that they that they care about has been affected by a horror in some way. If not just horror minions, horror constructs, or horror directly, or some, horror cults. Yeah, yeah, yeah minions cults, kind of fall something into that along those lines. Category. So they they see this as you know a cockroach infestation or termites or pick a big, bad, nasty you want that's a swarm that they just know needs to go away and no one else is up to the task and so they take it on. This is something that is likely to pop up in your game. It's something that you should be aware of ahead of time, whether that is a player character who has been brought with a backstory that involves horror, you know, a horror or horror involvement somehow in in their past. Or something that is in the discussion, uh, you know, of your campaign planning with your session zero and and ongoing meta discussion about the direction of mm-hmm. your game, yeah, is how much horror, capital H horrors, are going to be gonna... involved in your game. Is that something that you are interested in? You know, even setting aside the discussions of how explicit, what lines are you going to cross or be able to cross or mm-hmm. not cross when you start yeah. dealing with some of the sensitive, potentially some sensitive subjects and triggers and various other aspects that, that may come into play with horrors. I mean, it's certainly possible to deal with horrors as simply just your random, gribbly, twisted, with some funky powers kind of stuff. And you mm-hmm. get a lot of that in the in the lower circles, like with Nashers and so forth. But I think kind of that maybe does them a disservice, especially if you are looking at a horror theme, which is a, yeah. a game that explores the idea of the horrors in mm-hmm. the setting and the effects that they have had on people and what people have done to protect themselves from the horrors or what people might do in fear of mm-hmm. the horrors and and so forth. You know, that's a game that is going to likely play up perhaps the contrast between the cities which are or can feel safer mm-hmm. and more cosmopolitan and contemporary and the more isolated rural villages and smaller towns that are needing to eke out their existence through subsistence farming or what what limited trade there might be and the idea that you don't need to go too far off of the beaten trail in order mm-hmm. to perhaps be in places that no name giver has seen in in decades, if not centuries. Yeah. And the the isolation and problems, not just from bandits or other people looking to take advantage, but horrors or horror constructs or whatever that might be there. And that contrast, and you could then even perhaps bring a horror into a city situation to highlight that. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting thematic and narrative stuff that you can do if you're going to have a game that's going to be revolving around the taint and darkness and corruption that the horrors can bring to bear on the land. That's a very interesting idea. And because horror as a genre is so personal, Mm -hmm. it can be very difficult to offer advice 
as to how to handle that. <laughs> you know, there there are a number of one shots and advent. You know, we talked in the last episode about the Parlength Adventures book and like two yes. of them involve horrors. Mm-hmm. And so there are adventures and one shots that revolve around horrors. And if you yes. look at the horrors source book, each of the named horrors in that book can fuel a, a campaign arc all on their own. Oh, totally. So that, like, that's all the the wonderful setting groundwork that the horror stalker path finds mm-hmm. finds themselves in. Yeah. So, like you said, there's there's there was a limitation for the horror stalker as its own discipline because of all this focus on you need to have a horror almost all the time out there. But as a path, as we've talked about paths earlier, this is the secondary nature. So your regular discipline can take you many, many places, many, many locations and many adventures. When you come across that horror, then this path would lead you off in that direction. Right. I think if somebody is going to be following the horror stalker path, you're still looking at a game. You're looking at a situation Mm -hmm. where the horrors are going to be a lot more prominent, whether that is tracking down a horror cult and dealing with it. Mm -hmm. There are more things that you can do than just simply fighting horrors, but still be playing into the avenue of the horror stalker as a discipline. And that is looking at a more long-term plan rather than a sort of horror of the week idea. Oh, well, this week, (laughs) you know, we're going to be fighting, we're going to be fighting Nashers. Next week, it's going to be this little bit more powerful horror. The week after that, it's going to be another little bit more powerful. And like work our way up kind of like some kind of street fighter tournament of Mm -hmm. horror after horror after horror (laughs) and really maybe more developing an ongoing story where perhaps you are dealing with cults or minions of a horror or constructs or things like that, or, or, I mean, even potentially multiple horrors, but not Mm -hmm. reduce it to a simple, what stat block are we going to go up against this week and trying to develop some kind of narrative and exploring the thematic things and the questions that that raises in terms of the people of bar save and what they have done and what they might do mm-hmm. in the face of this cosmic threat. Yes. Because it's, there's a whole lot more, uh, just having the overt horror. And I do mean that in both ways, the horror itself. And then the horror of, Oh, this is a, a nasty thing that happened. <clears throat> you have to remember horrors are insidious. They're slow moving. They're patient. They infect one at a time to see what it does. They feed on that and then they kind of go from there. And many of the more interesting horrors are. Yes, yes, yes. Some are, some are overt, but a lot more are covert because they don't want to get found out. That's the whole point is they just get to keep feeding and have nobody know. So it's, it's a, you know, buffet for them in that regard. So the call of the horror stalker has to be driven mostly from the character or the player themselves to to want to add this on. And it does require some extreme focus and some perseverance. Not that any discipline is off limits to join this path, because again, you're joining a secret handshake society and doing a blood oath and so forth and so on. But some are more prominent than others as a discipline. Nethermancers are featured. Warriors, duh. Weaponsmiths have the focus and the perseverance Sometimes some archers, 
sometimes some scouts, but again, nobody's off limits. And this is not racial specific, so anybody can join as long as you have that drive and that almost desperate devotion to eradicate the horrors as you come across them. So one of those things. However, horror stalkers as a group, as a group um, pattern, really don't like to admit questers (laughs) because you're dividing your focus in that regard. Yeah. Horror stalkers really are single-minded. They have a mission and that mission is to eradicate horrors from the face of the earth, even if that means that they individually need to go and plunge steel into the heart of each and every one of them. Yes. I think the fatalism, the darkness, the acceptance that this is my mission and I will not complete it, but I will die in the effort, that there is a resignation there of the ultimate end that this path leads them on that Mm -hmm. runs counter to the path of the questor, which is one that generally celebrates life and is Mm -hmm. about the, the furtherance and celebration of brightness. I think that horror stalkers probably have a deep respect for questors in one sense, because the questor is in some ways like the, the epitome or the personification of those things that the horror stalker is defending, Mm -hmm. that the horror stalker goes into the darkness, goes into the shadows to fight these things so that the passions, the questors can tend the light in those bright points of civilization, whether those are the halls of thrall or, or, I know an isolated village out in the hinterlands. Yeah. You get to be the dreamer. You get to be the, the questor because I, People like me make the hard calls and live with the consequences. So it's. <laughs> I'm now suddenly like getting some feelings of Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men. Yes. The speech that he gives there when he breaks at the end where he's talking yep. about, you know, you don't like what I do, but you need me there. Yes. You want me on that wall. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that the horror stalkers generally have that arrogance about them. No. But I think there is still that, yes, we are shunned. Yes, we are loners. Yes, we are isolated. Yes, we are not trusted because of what we do. But Mm -hmm. but you also recognize the need for that to be done. And that's okay. I have accepted this mission myself. This is my own choice to do this. Mm -hmm. I agree. I don't think they have I don't think they have the arrogance, but I think they have the resigned determination. Yeah, that it needs to be done. And nobody else is stepping up, so here I am. That's that's my take on them. I'll go with that. Because, yeah, nobody seeks this path for altruistic reasons. Well... <laughs> they seek it because, because, as you pointed out, they were touched or they were compelled by something a horror did to them or to their loved ones, um, or they've seen its effect on you know society at large or a group of, a group of people or a population. And so, yeah, they're like, okay, you know, they have this... They have come face to face with the abyss. (laughs) They are the, there's a lot of inspiration, fictional pop culture inspiration. Yes. The Night Watch from Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. The motivations for why most of the folks are in the Night Watch are not as 
you know, noble, but there's still the idea of these are the ones who have gone to defend society from the darkness mm-hmm. beyond. There's the feeling like the drift pilots in Pacific Rim, the ones who were piloting the mm-hmm. big mecha robots in that. Yeah. A lot of the darker anime kind of thing. There's a um, attack on Titan, the the hunters against the giants in that. Yeah. There are some some inspirations and so forth that you can take there in terms of some of the obsession and focus and drive and madness in a sense that kind of goes along with following that path and doing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And plenty of others, I'm sure, if if there's any that our listeners can think of that that we don't mention in the course of this. Oh, could take suggestions. Feel free oh, to write throw them us, in. Throw us your ideas. Where, if you've played a horror stalker in the past, where you got your idea from, where you took your inspiration from, or any other pop culture examples, you can you can show us to that grim determination of doing something that needs to be done. We'll take it. I love to hear those because I've had about three or four horror stalkers play in my ca- my campaigns over the years. All different players. So four different players made four different horror stalkers. I have oodles of stories, but I'm not going to get to those tonight. Anyway, so when it comes time, um, my, the, my favorite line from the essay at all is, uh, true, there are a lot of people who don't like to see us around. Mostly that's because having one of us in their view forces them to realize their little corner of the world isn't as clean or safe or pleasant as they'd like to think it is. Nobody likes having to adjust their worldview to take account of something unpleasant and they particularly hate having to do it when it doesn't directly affect them. So I just like that. It was appropriate. It's appropriate for 2020 and 2021. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, so when you are seeking the path of the horror stalker and you're looking for, looking for the group to join, I think horror stalkers will find you as much as you'll find them. So it's kind of a yeah. mutual uh, discovery. And before you get inducted or learn names or anything else like that, you are examined for taint and corrupting influences by the horror stalkers themselves who are already in the group order so that they can determine, you know, obviously you're not trying to infiltrate them and take them apart from the inside because that's what a horror would do. So that you are actually clean, but, you know, dedicated to the path you are searching for. And in contrast to the Windmasters, which are a much more because we talked about the Windmasters previously. Yes. They're a much more sort of formalized structure in one sense. The Horror Stalkers are a path. They are a mystic brotherhood, sisterhood in a sense, Mm -hmm. but they're a little bit less formally organized. It's more like a collection of people that share the same obsession and share the tips and tricks that they have learned over the years to survive the ones who who live long enough <laughs> to learn what they need to do and to pass on those secrets to those in whom they see that same obsession that same dedication um one yeah. of the things that gets brought up in the essay the person talking is like when the first flush of obsession it's usually being expressed by violence and just the desire to go out and kill every horror or horror spawn that they can and Mm -hmm. hopefully we catch them soon enough that that doesn't get them and the people around them killed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause old age is not a luxury that most horror stalkers are afforded. The witchers come to mind as well. 
in terms of how that works. If anybody's familiar with The Witcher video games or or the novels yeah. or the series on Netflix, mm-hmm. yeah. The Witchers have a very kind of horror stalkery aspect to them in that they are <laughs> they're a mystical organization <laughs> with their own secrets and tricks in order to fight the darkness. Yeah. And they are not very well regarded by the greater society. Hmm. But seen as a necessary I mean, there's a lot of a lot of that there. Yeah. So I can imagine where the author got some uh, inspiration. Let's hope it's earthed on. Anyway, so before, so after the initiation, your exam, so the initiation really is you're examined for taint and any crypting influences and so forth. Uh, at that point, the initiating horror stalker draws a circle of salt around the candidate and you both recite a litany of horror stalkers lost and horrors destroyed in a call and response type format. And... The initiator speaks a name. The candidate repeats it back. The litany is followed by the candidate performing a series of drills within the circle to demonstrate your skills and a recitation of ordeals undertaken. The candidate and initiator then stare deep into each other's eyes and the successful candidate is added to the collective knowledge and memories of all horror stalkers. And from then on, horror stalkers, you learn about the successful candidate through the gaze into the abyss ability, which we'll get to soon, but it's awesome. Anyway, so after that, your ordeals and advancement are, of course, you know, bigger and better, nastier horrors, but also what you learned and any failures you had along the way so that you can reflect upon those and get better and not make mistakes because the horrors will, of course, look for any, any chink in your armor or any fault in your game and take advantage of that to mark you. One of the things that the horror stalkers collectively try to instill in newer members of the path is that there is no shame in being a little bit cautious and scoping out a situation to determine whether you can handle it before charging in blindly. And that while, yes, ultimately I am going to meet my end at the hands of a horror spawn, there's no sense in throwing that life away needlessly. Because if I'm careless and get myself killed going up against something that I should have known I wasn't going to be able to handle, then that is a loss to the mission. Yes. A lot of horror stalkers kind of depersonalize themselves, Mm -hmm. strip themselves a little bit of their connections because those connections with other people can be leverage for a horror to use against them. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's also a question, and this comes up quite a bit in the essay and some of the game information after that, is there are some horror stalkers who take their obsession to what some might consider like evil ends. Yeah. Killing everybody in a village (laughs) to make sure that the taint is destroyed. Yes. Being thorough Mm -hmm. in that sense, in a way that is another sort of theme and question that can come up in a horror stalker game is to what degree, how, how much of your humanity or your name giver anity mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, <laughs> are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve your ends? And maybe mm-hmm. if you're going to have a horror stalker in your game and you're looking at exploring some of those themes that you could have, obviously there are going to be other horror stalkers that are going to be non-player characters because yeah, your PC is are going to is going to need a mentor, people, and so forth. But to have 
rivals and companions and other individuals that maybe go too far or maybe didn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. There is some potentially deep and difficult moral questions that could come about as a result of a horror stalker in your game. Absolutely. And your advancement rituals, of course, as they should, get harder and harder. And you have to be approved by higher and higher ranked members because at rank five group pattern and rank nine group pattern, there's a tribunal of horror stalkers interviewing you as to what things have done. And this is when, again, we get back to that R-O-L-E playing because uh, you, the candidate has demonstrates their skill within the circle, but reciting a self-analysis and what you've achieved as a horror stalker, where you failed and how you plan to improve. And so this is that aspect of, okay, Game Master is going to ask the player, this is you know another interview for your character. So this is a lot of R-O-L-E playing your character and your remembrance and so forth and so on. So yeah, keep a journal of what you've, of what your character has done and any faults you had or any failures in your game plan and so forth and so on. Cause that's a whole lot of role playing involved, not a lot of dice rolling. And I like that aspect of all of these paths allow for a lot of that. Another aspect that I like that was introduced here with the path version of the horror stalker is while the emphasis and the focus is on the horrors, it's not just on combat. It's not just on actually fighting and slaying horrors. Yeah. It's that there is as much value, if not to a certain extent more, yeah. in learning about the horrors. And especially for the more powerful ones, their weaknesses or their patterns or their pattern items a and things that research. you could learn. A lot of research and collective knowledge, which is another reason why it is important to impress upon new members of the path to not throw away their lives carelessly because they may know something that could be important later on and to make sure that that knowledge is collected and shared. But at the same time, much like the horrors first edition source book, Mm -hmm. that is dangerous information and it needs to be protected and made sure that it does not become an avenue for horrors to get in and cause problems. There's a lot of potential paranoia and just so much potential, dark, difficult, awesome storytelling potential (laughs) that you can have with these. And a lot of nuance you get to throw in here because potentially, yeah, it's not all combat or shouldn't be all combat. It should be a lot of investigation, a lot of research, a lot of following up leads and interviewing NPCs, you know, people, uh, around that may know something, may not know something, may be tainted, never know. And a lot of that investigation will eventually culminate into a fight, but <clears throat> that's how to lace this in in little tiny tidbits throughout every single session and every single game. Yeah, and places that you could get inspiration and suggestions for how to handle a sort of horror-focused game mm-hmm. would be to look at Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green particularly oh, yes. Delta Green, especially looking at some of the the third party writings about Call of Cthulhu and how mm. to run Call of Cthulhu style games, especially a long term game, uh, yes. because one of the criticisms of, of that game, fair or unfair, is that it's one where all of the characters ultimately die or go insane. And that's yeah. not actually the case. <laughs> not actually the case. Delta Green is fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
really interesting, whether you're going with the original edition from the 90s or the the recent re-release. I mean, obviously, Delta Green is set in sort of modern day Earth and deals with government secret agency. But the basic story concept at a at a, at a really basic level is the same and that yeah. you are dealing with people who are dealing with the darkness and the the cosmic threats that are out there and mm-hmm. what they need to do in order to continue fighting and survive and maintain their humanity and the difficulties in that. So there's a lot of similar basic story framing and themes that are involved. And so you can take a lot of lessons from that, even if you aren't able to, oh, well, I can just take this adventure and drop it into bar save because well you know modern science and guns and stuff (laughs) well there is that anyway so i figure uh we can probably just get right on down to brass tacks and tell people exactly what they get when they are finally initiated um you of course get to modify your karma ritual uh along with all the other paths that maybe you um other players have taken up so this is nothing different it's you finally get to incorporate your sworn hunt in some way along the karma ritual you already have in your discipline. For example, it says... Yeah, well, reviewing and, and reciting the information yeah. that you have learned as part of that, if you are a sort of more mm-hmm. magician or that sort, yeah, a warrior or swordmaster might be adapting their ritual and the sort of practice combat, the stylized combat that they do during their ritual to incorporate ways that known and common horror spawn might be fought. Yeah. You know, basically incorporating the knowledge that they have learned and the techniques that they've been taught in the course of reconnecting with the magic of their discipline. Yeah. And so it's, it's nice. You get to figure out kind of how to incorporate all this into the karma ritual you already operate under your half magic ability is of course, uh, like all the others, um, you can use half magic to find other horror stalkers and know the history of the horror stalkers. That's kind of an obvious one there. Uh, and additionally, you get to use your perception-based half magic in place of any horror lore tests. So that just modifies that skill. So that's kind of awesome that way. Yeah. Um, the idea on that, of course, being that as a horror stalker, as you advance in your ranks within that path, you are going yes. to learn more about horrors and so forth and potentially be able to take advantage of that knowledge without necessarily needing to buy ranks in the skill equivalently. Yes. So along your 10 ranks in your horror stalker. um, Yeah. Before we get into those, let's actually talk about the specific requirements for picking up the horror stalker path in the first place. Right. Sorry. Skip that part. So the requirements to be a horror stalker, obviously you need to be rank. You need rank five thread weaving, any discipline, fifth circle or better. And actually the only other requirement is that you complete a horror stalker ordeal. You Mm -hmm. basically need to meet the requirements that they set you in order to be initiated. There's no required talents that they, that you need. There's no skills that you need at a minimum rank. Really the requirement to become a horror stalker is to have a background that would make you suitable to be a horror stalker. Yeah, have a convincing story for the game master to say, yeah, this is this is my story. This is why. This is my dedication. This is one where, unlike many of the other paths that we've talked about so far, where there is some mechanical mechanical reflection of the 
dedication and study in order to meet those requirements, horror stalkers are, in a sense, willing to take just about anybody. Yeah. But they are only going to take people that they believe are suited to follow that path. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, make a good story. Got to have that one done. So when you get inducted, inducted, initiated, sorry, uh, your bonuses, you get six bonuses out of your 10 ranks. So they come at rank two, four, six, eight, nine, and 10. You get a mystic bonus, a physical bonus, another mystic bonus, and another mystic armor in there, uh, another physical defense bonus, and then a recovery test. And all of these, as we said before, do stack with your discipline bonuses. So joining a path has more than one set of additions to add to your character. You get all these defense and armor bonuses, but then we finally get down to your talent options. And there's three ranks of talent options. Your journeyman, warden, and master tier talents options. So at rank one, two, three, and four, you get four of these. And we'll get to the new ones at the end. Astral Sight is if you don't already have it, this is really helpful. Awareness, because if you don't already have it, can't figure out how. But there you are. Danger Sense. Oh, gee, you're going to go against horrors. That's kind of useful. Mystic Pursuit, also incredibly useful. Also incredibly useful. Research, as we mentioned earlier. Stealthy Stride. Why would you not want to be quiet? Uh, Suppress Curse, which I think is... Very right handy. Up to horror stalkers. Yeah, yeah. And steel thought, which I mean, all of these are big does, and you should. Yes. And then the, and then the, the thing notes. that you might notice having gone through this. Yes. Because they've got a couple of others, but those are, are unique. Left. We're going to talk about them shortly. Yes. But there's no melee weapons. No. There's no attack talents that no, they get no, access to. Combat. Yeah. The idea being that what the horror stalker path gives you are more tools that are useful in tracking down and facing the horrors. Suppress curse. You're going to be facing curses or cursed items or getting negative effects on you from a horror or horror spawn. Mm -hmm. Suppress curse gets rid of that. Astral sight allows you to check to see if the area around (laughs) you is, is tainted and how badly or Or to maybe be able to notice horrors astrally that are there. Read a pattern. Awareness. Super Mm -hmm. useful. Everything that's there are tools oh, that yeah, danger sense, mystic pursuit, track them down, and track them down. You know things that are avoid being ambushed or surprised by them or their minions. Exactly. This it's all really really useful stuff. Now some of these, depending okay. on what discipline you are, you may already have. Like if you're a magician, you're a nethermancer, you've got astral sight. You're not going to need to pick that up. Yeah, which which is why there's a pool here. Yeah, <laughs> because they've got a couple of unique tricks. Yeah, that's what most people are likely to be focusing on. Again, Mm -hmm. the idea of most of these paths is to give you access to some neat special abilities for a lot of them, and then have a couple of places where you might be able to supplement what you've already got, depending on the style of character that you are. I mean, if you're taking a scout into this, you've already got awareness at a nice high rank. Danger sense, probably. Uh, Mystic pursuit, definitely. And stealthy stride, more than likely as well. So you don't necessarily need those. But let's get to the two new ones, because yes. one of these is going to sound very familiar. By the way, horror stalkers get more than two. Horror stalkers get a lot of new talents. Oh, They're, yeah. They get two with this novice tier, but they've got they've got more that we'll talk about. But they the first of them. a bunch coming up. These are going to be great. So bear mark should sound familiar because that was the, the key thing. It was probably based upon in, in first edition. Yes. Second circle, you got bear mark. 
And so what's the, what's the difference between that edition of Bear Mark? I have not refreshed this. myself on what the, the previous version did. I imagine that it did something very similar. The idea yeah. being that the Bear Mark talent allows the adept, when they get horror marked, to wall off or sequester or control how much influence yes. the horror is able to put over them from yes. that mark. So they are still marked because one of the potential tactics for a horror stalker is to intentionally get marked by mm -hmm. a horror and yes. to be able to use that connection to track the horror down. Yes. But of course, getting intentionally horror marked is a very quick way to die. <laughs> <laughs> unless you've got pawn. magic that is designed yeah. specifically to protect you against it. And that's mainly what bear mark is. Yes. It's a free action. It's mm -hmm. a willpower based talent. You make a bear mark test against the horrors horror mark step. Yes. Not the Remember, result. powerful Just horrors have high horror mark steps. Yes. But not, the not against the, the results of the test, but their their step. Yes. And that determines how successful you are at protecting yourself from the effect of that. Good thing is the horror, if you are successful, is not aware that you have actually done that successfully. No, but the good news about fourth edition's version is that it ties the result to the number of successes you get against that test. So if you get like four successes, either on the initial test or I believe four concurrent successes against resisting it every time the horror tries, then you have su successfully sequestered that mark away to not be harmful. And so that's, okay, I'm done. I'm good. It's set. <laughs> I took my cancerous tumor and I put it aside and it's now, you know, benign versus malignant. That's not cumulative. That's on a single test. Yes. Anytime that the horror uses a power against you and you mm -hmm. don't want it to happen, which yeah. is most of the time, yeah. you make a bear mark <laughs> test and it may or may not be successful. But if yeah. you roll really, really well, then you may actually be successful at preventing yourself from being affected in the future. Again, the yes. horror doesn't know if that's happened. The horror can still communicate with you potentially if that's one of the yep. things that they do through their mark, but they can no longer successfully use powers against you, which is, yeah. can be really, really useful. And since these are talents, karma can come into play. Okay. So the last journeyman, you know, rank one plus tier talent you can get is call of Harrow. Yes. This is the creature equivalent analysis. to creature analysis <laughs> or size up the Swordmaster discipline ability, mm -hmm. where they can observe a target, and in this case, the target has to be a horror spawn, which is a horror or horror construct, yes. or undead that is also a horror, may or may not be also a horror construct, mm -hmm. to be able to get game information, learn details about, oh, is it weak to magic, like it therefore has a low mystic defense, or it's yeah, a- game stats. Got a high armor rating, or- Various mm -hmm. abilities and, and so forth. This includes um, special powers that it might have, um, maneuvers yep. that might work or that it might use, that might work against it or that it might use. It's creature analysis, but for horror stuff. Yeah, which is always wonderful. Okay, so rank five and up. Again, you get five, six, seven, eight, four of these because I couldn't count one of the, the last time. Um, and there's a bunch of new ones as well. So let's get to the new ones last. So you get Lionheart. Uh, Anti-fear ability, obviously be very useful against horrors. Totally. And True Sight, which are your two standard... Um, well, True Sight uh, is an illusionist talent that yeah. allows you to see through... Uh, I think archers also get access to True mm -hmm. Sight. Um, but it allows you to see through illusions, which can be very, very handy when you're going up against uh, creatures horrors. of deceit like the horrors. 
Totally. So your one, two, three, four new ones are, and Josh will go through these, Bane Strike. Bane Strike is a damage enhancement talent on a successful attack against a horror or horror construct. The adept can spend two points of strain to add their Bane Strike rank to the damage or effect test. So if they're a magician and they're casting a spell, if the effect test does damage, they can also use Bane Strike to do more damage. It basically boosts the amount of damage that you can do against horrors at a cost of a couple of points of strain. Yeah, nicely done. Uh, Gaze into the abyss, as we mentioned earlier. We talked about this one earlier. Yep. Gaze into the abyss is sort of a tapping into the collective unconscious of the horror stalker path uh, into the larger pattern and gathered knowledge of the that is contained within that true pattern. Mm -hmm. And they can add their rank and gaze into the abyss to attest when trying to learn or recall information about a horror or horror spawn. Nicely done. So a nice story element talent, not a combat thing. Purge karma, which sounds nasty. So when we went through dragon powers, Yes. A few weeks back when we were first talking about, about dragons. Dragons have yeah. an ability called Karma Cancel. Yes. Purge Karma is Karma Cancel, only it allows the Horror Stalker to cancel the Horror's use of Karma. Nicely done. Why would you not take that talent? Yeah. If successful, if the test is successful, then you can spend a point of your Karma to cancel the point of Karma use by the Horror or Horror Spawn. Very nicely done. And then the last one you can get is Sense Horror Spawn, which sounds really obvious. Yeah, that one's fairly straightforward. <laughs> it's a mystical sensing ability. There are a couple mm -hmm. of similar things that will sense other stuff. It's like the abilities that Nethermancers get to sense ally spirits or that elementalists get to sense elemental spirits. Yes. yes. It's an ability, it's a talent that allows you to open up your mystical senses and determine whether there are horrors or horror spawn in range. Nicely done. So at rank nine and 10, you get two of these next talents out of this pool. <clears throat> uh, and there are four, four options. So choose wisely life check. That's a not die ability. Warriors get it <laughs> super handy. If you're going to be fighting horrors, <laughs> if you don't know what it does, when you, die when your damage goes above your death rating yeah. it allows you to immediately make a life check test which mm -hmm. is i think powered by a recovery test Probably. and you heal that much damage keeps you from dying when you otherwise would yes fair enough uh nether walk uh that is a nethermancer talent that allows you to enter astral space very cool not yeah, and um, entering astral space, uh, if you're in a corrupted area, will cause damage to you while you're doing it. But yeah. it may be the only way to fight astrally based horrors. Yes. Or if so. you've got a horror that is able to cross back and forth between the material and the astral, mm -hmm. you can follow them when they is try and escape. Yeah, and then finish them off for good. Uh, relentless Recovery. That is a high circle talent that I think is available to most martial disciplines. Mm-hmm. Relentless recovery does not provide any bonus recovery tests, but ah. it replaces base toughness when making a recovery test. Okay. Instead of using your default toughness, you use relentless recovery, which is basically step. adds its rank to your toughness for the purposes of your recovery test. But you don't use that bonus when you're doing things like fire blood or other no. recovery substitution abilities. So this, this replaces your recovery yeah. dice 
because it's based on a step number that you can add legend points to and increase. So no matter what, your recovery is a whole lot better than just your base. So fantastic. And then the last talent you can get is Unflinching Fortitude. That's another talent. I think I that might be the one I was thinking of. Oh, no. Unflinching Fortitude is actually very straightforward. It adds <laughs> its rank to your wound threshold. Oh, that's nice. That's nice, because not a lot of things have No strain, no test required. It's just a straight bonus to your wound threshold. Done. Like that one. So that pretty much... Oh, wait. Hang on. I did this last time. We're not going to do this again. Nax. What kind of knacks? Because this is already badass enough as it is for a horror stalker to get and add to your discipline kit. What kind of knacks can people oh get? Oh boy. There are probably a lot because they get because they've got some <laughs> new talents. They've got there are some knacks off of bear mark. Yeah. Like there's a knack that allows them to resist gaining corruption points for horror powers that might cause corruption points. Mm-hmm. There's one that reduces the amount of karma that a horror gets from feeding off of the adept. Yeah. There's one that's even more powerful that actually damages the horror if they try and feed off of the adept, try and gain karma off of the adept. There's a couple of those. And then another one is Trace Horror. Either might have been its own talent or might have been part of the original bear mark in first edition. Yeah. That allows the horror stalker to use the mark to track the horror to it to wherever it is. That would be the perfect knack to have, yes. Because under Horror Stalker knacks, there's 13 of them already just waiting for you. Call of Harrow has a lot of special maneuvers. These are basically knacks that you can use when fighting a horror, where you can spend extra successes to do extra stuff. And a lot of them are for specific horrors, like there's one for fighting bloat forms. There's one for fighting worm skulls, stuff like that. So various th things along those lines, crystal entities, like the, the sort of like broad horror classes, you can get yeah. maneuvers that are specifically geared to do useful things against those types of horrors. Nice. Just a lot of knacks. Now, some of those are into. also available as horror stalker knacks. So you can pick mm -hmm. them up just under your default horror stalker ability. You don't necessarily have to have the special knack in order to pull that off, yeah. which is part of the reason why there's um, so many. Mm-hmm. Because if for some reason you don't want to pick up that unique talent, you still get access to some of those knacks through just simply being a horror stalker. Yeah. And as is the case with a lot of the paths, you get several different ways to spend additional karma when fighting against horrors or horror spawn in various situations. Karma on defensive tests against them or karma on damage tests that you make against them. And so this would be in addition to whatever karma you might be able to spend as a result of your other talents and abilities. Yeah. As is the case with a lot of the paths, what you'll probably want to do is go through the list of knacks because there may be some in there that are horror stalker knacks that are through particular disciplines or mm -hmm. through particular talents. Yeah. But yeah, there are some really cool knacks that give you some additional abilities, potentially. A, a plethora of them. So you got, you got some choices to make when you get the, the Horror Stalker talents. Like, for example, there is a Life Sight knack that is available to Horror Stalkers that allows them to use Life Sight to sense Horror Spawn, which yeah. the talent cannot normally do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's... A wonderful toolkit for the horror stalkers. I do believe, if I may say, that I think the path 
for horror stalkers worked out much better than the discipline itself is I think this does work better as an adjunct to your discipline as a path that's a secondary, like a sidecar to the motorcycle you ride. Yeah, it allows a lot more flexibility in terms of how your horror stalker might approach their mission and their goal. It leaves room for a lot more open space for investigators and whatnot, as opposed to the first edition version, which had melee weapons and so forth and was really kind of geared as a you are going to go and fight physically combat horrors. Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot of stuff in the first edition beyond these are people who are obsessed with fighting horrors. Uh, and that's kind of scary <laughs> and people yeah. are nervous around them. And I think the ability to explore and create some setting lore and whatnot around them also helps flesh them out and define them a little bit better than was sort of in existence previously. And I think this essay was a perfect introduction, reintroduction to this path because it made clear what the requirements are and kind of the mindset that not only one of them has, but many of them have in the approach that they should take for the rest of their life on this path. So I, th- I found that a wonderful thing. I'm looking forward to uh, any of my players coming up with the idea to join this path again. <clears throat> or I don't have a player that wants to join this one just yet, but I'll see if anything happens to my character in the meantime, where maybe I all of a sudden want to. So until next time, folks, uh, if you have any questions for us about the Horror Stalker or wonderful Horror Stalker tales, would love to hear them, or pop culture references that we didn't think of, by all means, send them to us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Any final thoughts, Josh? I uh, haven't mentioned it quite so much lately, but as always, if you follow the show on a podcast platform or app that allows you to rate and or review, it would be great if you could do that because that Love it. makes it more likely that people will encounter us um, just kind of in, in passing. Obviously, if somebody is looking for Earth Taunt podcasts, they are likely to find us, <laughs> but just <laughs> generally putting it out there and... You know, if somebody does find us and sees that there are reviews and ratings, they will know that uh, you recommend it. We'll take it. So until next time, folks, it is time for you to go stalk your own legend. See, that's a good one. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) 